We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Albrocht, Tommy Caster. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. to another Sports Daily right here on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, coming at you on this Tuesday edition. Happy to be here. Uh, this is an exciting week. We're smack in the middle of college basketball, conference play. We've got the Super Bowl, of course, and this year is one of those years where the Chiefs are involved in that and the festivities are officially underway. We have the executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel, joining us in just a little bit, top of the next hour. In the meantime, they took the podium for the first time last night, so we'll take you back to some of the notable sound bites coming out of that. Uh, Sean Payton introduced as Denver's head coach. We'll get his thoughts on Russell Wilson in just a little while. Uh, and it was a big college basketball night last night, another big one tonight, KU. Uh, takes care of its business. K-State is up next tonight. We'll talk about it all on the show today. Again, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster here, 869-1240, the number to call, or you can reach us on social media. Tommy, good morning. Good morning. I stayed up late last night watching the KU game a little bit, you know, later than I typically would. Um, and, you know, 8 o'clock isn't that big of a deal until you get to the point to where the game starts dragging on and Texas started fouling with, a couple of minutes left, and I'm just like, come on, can we, like, wrap this game up? I would like to go to bed. Uh, but regardless, it was a good night, and looking forward to diving in today. Uh, to be fair, Texas, because KU wouldn't put it away, had every right to keep fouling. It wasn't like the, the Wichita State game against Tulsa the other night. It was like, come on, guys, you're down, like, 14. Uh, but, yeah, KU takes care of business. We had it right. Uh, we talked ourselves into taking KU's... You know, minus, I think I got it at three and a half, four and a half, because it was just a place of desperation. And Texas had a tall task, right? Texas did what it needed to do against K-State. I don't know if they went home. I don't know if they had to, you know, stay somewhere here in Kansas on the quick turnaround. Uh, but KU took care of business, Tommy. And let's start there. And we'll get to the Chiefs and, and opening thoughts, their opening thoughts on the Super Bowl and all that uh, a little bit later in the show. But let's start with KU. Um, a couple of things stood out. We've been saying for a while now, or at least I have, that Dewan Harris is the key to this team. And 
it's been really interesting to watch that happen because it's not something that's, you know, jumps off the screen at you. Jalen Wilson didn't do anything offensively last night. Easily his worst offensive performance of the year. And KU beats a really good team. What does that mean? Does it mean they don't need Jalen Wilson? Of course it doesn't. It just means other guys stepped up. We talked about KJ Adams was down. He had a great game, right? Kevin McCuller offensively was good. It was the Grady Dick game. Tommy, 21 points for Grady Dick. But I think even more than those things, it was the Dewan Harris game. And, you know, he, as a creator, is so gifted, and it looks different than we're used to seeing. But if teams are going to let him drive it, he's got to be able to drive it like he did last night. What will that do? Well, if they start coming in to try and stop that, that's when he becomes the great passer that he is. But it's really interesting as KU wins it 88-80 to over, you know, a great team in Texas. I, I start to wonder, Tommy, and I kind of said this tongue-in-cheek, but I, I don't think I don't think it is. Like, Dewan Harris, based on how good KU can be and how good or bad they've been based on his play, is starting to become one of the more important players in college basketball because you've got well, a team a look at- that could win a natty if yeah. he plays well. Take a look at his stat line, 17 points, six rebounds, five assists, and four steals on the game. Uh, He was all over the place. His energy was off the chart. In fact, I thought the entire team, uh, their energy was outstanding from start to finish. But you're right. I mean, Dewan Harris is the kind of player that when he is locked in and when he is playing at a level that is crisp and – I don't want to say like undistracted because I'm not suggesting he's been distracted. I know that he's been banged up, but when he's focused, laser focused in, uh, that's when this team can perform at the highest level. Uh, And I thought that I had this mindset shift during the game last night where I thought at one point, and and I even mentioned it on the show yesterday, man, if, if, if Jalen Wilson declared for the draft before the season, Like, I was really concerned about, like, would this KU team even be able to win any games? And then last night happened when Jalen Wilson was a non-factor offensively. Two points for him, one of seven shooting, and everybody else around him stepped up. And that was, I would suggest, and this might be hyperbole, but the most important win of the season for Kansas last night. Taking down a top-five team in Texas on a night where Jalen Wilson didn't have his best stuff and everybody else around him picked him up and I think that's important because Jalen Wilson has picked up everybody around him for so long that it was past due for a game where everybody else were they were able to carry him and I think that that I don't think you can understate the importance of having having Jalen Wilson not only be uh, offensively efficient and effective, but having all the supporting cast around him do their job as well. So I thought that was an incredibly important victory last night for the Jayhawks. And you're right, Dewan Harris was the catalyst in a lot of it. It's remarkable, his impact. And and it's not, you know, when we think of Dewan Harris, right, we're not thinking of Dewan Harris as a scorer, right? Because that's, you know, last year, not really what he did and, you know, he does so many things well, and it's it's definitely about him having control of this offense, and he's one of the, you know, the leading passers in the country and all of that stuff, and that that's still true. But what has developed here lately this season is how important his offense is to this team. I'm going to just, just listen to this. 
their first loss of the year was to Tennessee, right? Their only loss for a long time this season. He had two points in that game. Uh, Now, that's not the only game he didn't have points in, but it's a game he didn't have points in, right? But even more recently, in, you know, as they've lost four of their last seven games, I'm going to give you his point totals in the losses, Tommy. Three, zero, two, and two. Last night he had 17. In the game against K-State, the win he had 18. And against Kentucky, he had eight. So, you know, when he's taking shots and scoring at, at, you know, at a decent clip, you know, it doesn't have to be games like last night where he goes 17 or 18, but just, you know, respectable, makes three or four buckets at least, they're, they're winning those games. Their only losses this year tie into games where he's been non-existent offensively. And so, I, you know, that that becomes something I think that they can use. And and I and we'll ask Brian Haney about this tomorrow because you know that it's something Bill Self's paying attention to. But it's been really interesting to see. Again, he doesn't have to be like the guy offensively. Last night, Texas kept giving it to him and he kept taking it. And it was awesome to watch. But even if it's just keeping the opposing defense honest, which, you know, in the losses, he, is not, he has been a non-factor offensively, that, that to me has just screamed off the page as to what makes KU tick. There's a lot of things that make KU tick, right? KJ Adams, you could probably draw another direct correlation to his good games. Not as directly, though. And... And I just think that it's going and, and oh by the way, when he's good offensively, guess who else is probably going to be good offensively? Grady Dick, because he's going to get more open looks. He's going to get more opportunities to score. Um, I, I take nothing away from Jalen Wilson. He was off. He was off last night. That's not that big a deal because other guys picked him up. But man, it's Dewan Harris getting to the rim and creating offensively just a little bit. That has been the difference of when KU looks really good and when KU doesn't look very good. Well, on top of that, too, uh, I think you ask anybody uh, around KU, what would happen if you were playing a top five team in America and Jalen Wilson had two points? More than likely, they would say, well, the Jayhawks are going to get blown out of the water. Um, but, you know, Dewan Harris, and I think that to your point a little bit about how he's directly correlated to the success of this team, um, I think that teams in Texas was willing to do this last night give Harris the looks and in previous games, he hasn't knocked him down, uh, but he did last night. I, I don't, I don't know the last time if ever he has shot 16 shots in a game, he took 16 shots, made eight of them uh, and, you know, shot at a high clip, which we're not used to seeing Dewan Harris do. Um, but they, they were allowing him to get those looks and in previous games, he he wasn't able to knock him down, uh, but he was last night. I think that the transition game was elite for Kansas. They were fast. They got up and down the floor, uh, and they they finished at the rim. And that is such an an important factor for this team moving forward. Is can they get to the rim consistently? Whether you're in transition uh, or whether you're you've got a half court set and you're allowing somebody like Dewan Harris or Grady Dick or Kevin McCuller or even Jalen Wilson to to drive, um, you know this is not a traditional post up team. This is not a David McCormick or Yudoka Azabuke team. This is a drive to the rim uh, and play in transition kind of team. They took a punch in the mouth early in the second half because in the first half 
Texas turned the ball over a ton, and Kansas was able to get out in transition and finish at the rim. All of a sudden, Texas wasn't turning the ball over, and they were making their shots early in the second half, and Kansas couldn't play out in transition. But they were able to weather that storm, uh, and they were able to, to get it back and, and grow that lead. Do large in part, and we've talked about all the starters, we have not talked about Joe Yasufu last night, and he had a phenomenal game. 14 points for him. I think that ties a season high uh, for Yusufu off the bench. And I was so pleased with his energy. Uh, and I, you know, I'd seen him get limited minutes in previous games where he looked completely lost out there. But he looked like Drake Yesufu. He looked like the guy that played for Drake and was an all Missouri Valley type guy uh, coming in, playing for Kansas. And he provided spectacular minutes off the bench. Yeah, Yesifu was awesome. I agree. Um, and I'm glad you got to him because he's definitely a talking point out of that game because they do need something off the bench. And and they were thin last night, right? Uh, Pettiford didn't play. Uh, Clements didn't play. It was only Uday, Rice, and Yesifu. And Yesifu is that level of player. He just hasn't been at, case, uh, at KU. And... I'm curious about him, and I think he's a really interesting player. And I would guess and venture to say that next year, Joe Yesufu becomes like a 15-point-a-game type scorer because he's that type of athlete, and we've seen it before. He's just not had the—you know, he's not had the spot on this team. And we know Bill Self challenges his point guards, right? And we've heard Brian Haney talk about— the messaging he can sense that self is trying to get through to Yesifu. Like you can be that here. Like, you know, that I, I think their expectations for him are really high. It's just Dwan Harris is such a unique talent and player, but man, I'm telling you, Yesifu next year, if he comes back and everything state, he, he's going to be one of the leading scorers on this team. I don't, I, I just, I can see it coming from a mile away. He's a really gifted and explosive offensive player. It'd be nice if they could get a little of that this year, which I think is what Bill Self's trying to do. Because that spark and that energy, I mean, as a you know, as somebody who can come in and provide a hundred mile per hour fastball, is something that this team does need, and it especially needs it when you know on a night here's because he and Dwan Harris right now play a lot of this you know at the same time. He's almost playing like a two rather than a one, and that's fine too. Um, but if they can have that coming off the bench for any of these guys at any given point, I mean, that's a that's a really valuable asset for this team. The one thing I don't know about Yesifu, and I'd have to ask Haney about this, is what kind of defender he is at this level. But, you know, that's the other part of this that really stood out to me. I thought that that first, I don't know, what was it, for, until they until they got to the first media timeout last night, that stretch of basketball was collectively the best defense KU's played all year. That that very opening stanza of that game. They were bringing it. Now, they couldn't maintain that level of energy all the way through. But if they can capture that and play that type of defense, and I say this all the time, Bill Self's teams usually do play their best defense by the end of the year. But if they can do that and force turnovers like they were because – their pace needs to be high, right? It's not like they're going to come in and be the team that holds everybody to 65 points a game. Their pace is too fast. And that it, it needs to be that fast. That, that's the type of team they are. And they're not that, that great defense, of a defensive team either. So, I mean, overall. Well, but but I think I, I think they can certainly be, 
you know, a what would be considered a good defensive team, right? And it's again, it's not going to be that they that they you know throttle people down in the amount of points they score. It's going to be by creating turnovers, and if they create turnovers, that's when this offense thrives, right, at its full potential. So I do think they can be a great defense that doesn't look great the same way as when you have David McCormick down there swatting shots away, right? Like, it's not going to be that kind of defense, but I think in its own style, it can be a great defense because I think they're athletic enough to make it a great defense. But in order to do that, they have to play with the type of energy they did to open the game, force those turnovers, and it also helped yesterday that the officials really let that be a physical game. And, and KU has shown us they get into trouble when there's a quick whistle because they get into foul trouble and they're pretty thin. So that that's a tough thing, too. Like, is it going to be whether they play good defense or not is predicated on how loose the whistle is? Because that's that's pretty tough, and it may be that way. Uh, because, I mean, they let them play probably a little too physical last night, even though I thought it was awesome, right, to, to see that brand. But I, I thought that was as good a defensive stretch to open that game as we've seen out of that team all year. Yeah, it was an incredibly physical game uh, from start to finish, and, and the pace was great. The energy level was great. Uh, and, you know, that's that's Fog Allen Fieldhouse for you a little bit too, right? I mean, the place was absolutely jacked uh, to start to start the game, and the Jayhawks, they were able to feed off that energy, especially early on, and Texas looked all out of sorts. But but really, Kansas set the tone early on, um, and the, the stats are, are ridiculous. Like, the fact that Bill Self is 36-0 and all-time on Big Monday at home, I mean, that's just, it's stupid. The fact that they are 9-1 and one, um, all time, Bill Self is 9-1 and one all time, playing a top five opponent inside Allen Fieldhouse is just ridiculous. Um, I mean, all of these stats are, are just, they're, they're crazy. That was, did you know that that was the first time that there's been a Big 12 game inside Allen Fieldhouse where the Jayhawks have been two games behind the Big 12 leader for a home game in Allen Fieldhouse under Bill Self. I mean, just ridiculous stats like that. Um, Their backs are up against the wall. I think that we we both thought that there were some real legitimate concerns with this team, and there are when the bench doesn't show up, when the supporting cast isn't able to be uh, effective outside of Jalen Wilson. Yeah, there are legitimate issues with that. But on a night where there was even speculation that Bill Self might have to go and play a walk-on for extended minutes because of how thin that bench was, that he was able to get big contributions from Yesufu, big contributions from MJ Rice, Ernest Uday. The bench came to play, and the supporting cast around Jalen Wilson, they were able to carry him. And like I said earlier, and I, I absolutely believe this, maybe the most impactful win for the future of this Jayhawk squad, what they can do moving forward in February and into the tournament, into the postseason, because they know that, you know, on any given night, they don't have to rely on Jalen Wilson. I think that's going to carry them for a long time. It is. And, and the interesting thing about that is I think we all knew that, right? And I would be willing to bet that they knew that too, right? I think KU's understanding, just like we are, that, yeah, Jalen Wilson's scoring has been great, but it doesn't have to be that way, right? And and a lot of that was him feeling it, right? Like when Jalen Wilson is feeling it, he's shown this year you just gave him the green light because that's he's been that kind of scorer. Uh, so that that's okay too, but he doesn't have to be. And I think KU knows that. Of course he doesn't have to be. You've got the number one freshman coming into college last year in Grady Dick, who is a scorer, oh, by the way, right? 
you've got some other options there. Joe Yesifu can be that kind of scorer. We'll see how much he develops. It's a really curious thing that happened last night because we know they've wanted it to happen. But there are other options there. It doesn't have to be just Jalen Wilson. It just happened to be Jalen Wilson recently. But everybody knows, including Jalen Wilson and all those other players, this team's going to be way better when they're not so reliant on one guy. I mean, everybody knows that. They still got to execute it, and they did last night, and it was really good to see. 88-80, to 80, winners, uh, they get it done. They win the game they had to have in order to stay in the Big 12 race. K-State, you're up next. Got to get it done against TCU. We'll talk about K-State a little later in the show, but I'm going to tell you right now, the opening line this morning on BetMGM, Tommy, minus four and a half. I like it. I like it just like I liked KU, and for a lot of the same reasons, honestly. I like KU last night. I like K-State on that line tonight. We'll talk about that later in the show. Up next, we got thoughts on the Super Bowl. We got some injury updates as well for the Chiefs. We'll begin to talk about the big game as we make our way through Sports Daily on a Tuesday edition of Super Bowl Week, and we'll talk Chiefs coming up next. GM, an official sports betting partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, congratulates Chiefs Kingdom on their conference championship. With the best parlay selections tools, boosted odds specials, and prop menu, BetMGM is ready for the big game. No matter how you like to bet, the BetMGM app has all the action you need, whether you're betting from home, on the go, or at a big game watch party. Plus, every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you'll earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for online bonuses or dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. If you love the Chiefs and want to take the excitement of the big game to the next level, then it's time to get on board at the King of Sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Kansas only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. It is Super Bowl week. It is a wild and wacky betting week, perhaps the biggest of the year with all the props that come along with the Super Bowl. Uh, the Chiefs and the Eagles hit the stage for the first time last night, and we have uh, we have both teams getting up there and talking, and it's all the fanfare and all that, and we get our opening statements, and you know a lot of the stuff is. You know, as expected, the storylines are smacking us in the face here with Andy Reid reuniting with the Eagles in this game and you know, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, two talented young quarterbacks representing the future of the NFL, the Kelsey brothers. All of this great stuff is on the table last night, Tommy, as it's officially here and it is time to get into Super Bowl preparation. I think it really hit me last night during media day about just how remarkable it is that the Chiefs are back in this spot. And it's a testament to the uh, creative team building that Brett Veach has implemented over the last several years. It's a testament to Andy Reid and the coaching staff. Uh, and then, of course, the the stars and Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. Um, because 
they have been able year in and year out to build an organization to where it seems like a perfect storm all the time. I mean, think about this. 24 of the 53 men currently on the roster right now for Kansas City were not on the team last year. And, you know, there's a reason why uh, all the national pundits and everybody they were talking about Kansas City not being as good as they were a year ago or two years ago. Um, you know, there were some that were saying they were going to miss the playoffs. They were going to finish last in the division. And, you know, yeah, we, we can look back on that and we can laugh now. But I do think that there were maybe not some concerns, but at least questions about the way that this roster was built and all the new faces. There are 10 rookies that played key roles on this team, and four of them should start in the Super Bowl on Sunday. So it's a young team. And Brett Veach has been masterful through the draft. Of course, the Tyreek Hill trade during the offseason, uh, you know, brought a bunch of draft capital back. And, you know, th so all of these different scenarios coming in. But the, the thing that is constant, the thing that doesn't change is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and the stars around him uh, and what they've been able to build. And so I am so looking forward to watching this team continue to gel on the biggest stage of them all. On Sunday, and I know that there are so many different storylines going into this game, uh, but just the sheer fact of the way that this team has been built for this season, uh, it finally hit me last night during media night. It's incredible what they've done. I I'm going to ask you a question, and I did not intend this to go this direction, but I'm now interested. Will you, are we to the point in this with the Chiefs and everything you just said? that it will begin, will it be a disappointment? And I don't mean like normal disappointment if they lose the game, like, ah, oh, shucks, they lost. But will a narrative begin to build at that point about this? At that point, Andy Reid will have been, you know, what, one and three in Super Bowls, right? Is that right? Is that the right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Patrick Mahomes will be one and two in Super Bowls. Do you think we're to that point of like this annoying storyline that will develop, right? Because they're reaching Super Bowls, which is remarkable, but they're not, you know, is that on the table if they lose this game, do you think? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think it is. Um, you know, you can't, you can't talk about a quote unquote dynasty if they're getting all the way, but then they're not getting it done. Uh, I wasn't disappointed I mean, I was disappointed in the way that they played uh, in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay because I, I felt like it should have been closer. But I wasn't disappointed in the long-term prospects of this team moving forward. But I think I would be a little bit if they lose this game against Philadelphia because you're at a point now where you know Patrick Mahomes has won every single award that he could possibly win. And you've got accolades among accolades among accolades. And you're one and two in the, in the big game. And, you know, I think that it's important to also recognize and realize that for this franchise, it was a long time since Kansas city even reached the super bowl. So let's not pretend that, you know, Oh, it's easy to get there and they'll just get there again. Don't worry about it. No, like I, I believe me, I'm, I've, I know this, I've been here for a long time. It's hard to get to the super bowl. And I wait, I went a long time in my life, never seeing a chief super bowl. So enjoy this moment, bask it in, but yes, absolutely grab the bull by the horns and, and, and make it happen when it counts the most, because there's no guarantees that you'll ever make it again. Yeah, it is. Uh, 
<laughs> and I agree because I can feel that a little bit. Um, I can feel it, right? Like if, there'll be a little, there'll be some disappointment if they don't lose. Not just some disappointment. I, I think that that's going to sort of create and get in there a little bit, and I'm a little concerned about that. Um, so we'll see. There is some I think pressure. It's fair. I mean, I think it, I think it would be fair disappointment, um, not just about that game by itself, but disappointment about. Okay, like, look, five straight AFC championship games in one ring to show for it, if that doesn't happen. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, and every team is different. Every year is different. I get all of that. But like I mentioned, the, the one thing that stays the same, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you got one ring to show for five straight AFC championship games at Arrowhead. Uh, I think that that percentage should be a little bit better. So I do think that there there will be and should be a fair amount of pressure on the shoulders of the Chiefs to get it done on Sunday. Far more pressure in this game for Kansas City than there is for Philadelphia. No doubt about it to me. All right. Uh, so teams are out there last night. One of the storylines that, of course, is uh, really right there in front of us is Andy Reid back in Philadelphia. I think we've reached the point where Andy Reid now, his, you know, if we— if they did the baseball thing, Hall of Fame cap, which one would he wear? I think we're to the point where it would be the Chiefs. But, man, he was with the Eagles for a long, long time. And I, if I remember it correctly, the breakup was relatively amicable and all of those things. So I, I, I've never sensed that there was ill will there. Andy Reid, when talking yesterday, uh, we're going to play the audio of when that was brought up to him about the Eagles and Chiefs. It's a great organization. I've had 14 years there, man. I loved every minute of it. I've been 10 years in Kansas City. Loved every minute of that. And uh, I'm proud of some of these old guys for the Eagles. I'm proud of my guys for the Chiefs. Let's go. Uh, and I think that that's genuine, by the way. I do think that he probably feels that way, I would guess. And it would be hard when you have a tree that, expands out as far as his does it would be really difficult to not root for certain teams depending on where your guys are whatever but you know generally speaking I would imagine that he probably roots for the Eagles as much as any other team in those spots and if this was you know Eagles Bengals he'd probably be going for the Eagles so it's an interesting place for Andy Reid of course you put all that to the side and you want to beat their brains and that's not I mean that part of it's pretty simple at this point uh, but but it is nice to see Andy Reid have the moment here to take down the team that let him go. I mean, I I don't know that Andy Reid strikes me as somebody who's wired that way, but his team sure is. And I think his guys, even if he doesn't talk about it, would love to do that for him. Yeah, and I think that they're, you know, going back to, um, when was it, 10 years ago when he left the Eagles. Um, I remember that. I remember it wasn't that, he was a bad coach. It wasn't that they were a, a terrible team in the dumpster. It was just it looked like that that marriage had kind of ran its course a little bit. And I know that in their reports that he and the owner of the Eagles, Jeffrey Lurie, are still close. And Lurie, I think the, the interview, he said he cried after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl because he was so happy for Andy Reid. Um, so there definitely is that storyline there. And I know that he still thinks very highly of that organization and the ownership. I think that on the flip side, what's also very interesting and, you know, we, we get to this week and, and, you know, because you've covered a Super Bowl for TV, there are all of these different storylines and narratives that get brought up during Super Bowl week. You're trying to fill time, right? And find the interesting stories. I didn't realize 
until just recently that Nick Sirianni was on the chief staff. I didn't know that. He was there with Todd Haley, uh, and then Romeo Cornell retained him. But then when Andy Reid came in, he did not retain Nick Sirianni. And so there is a little bit of a chip on the shoulder. And I think it's all, it's not, you know, a, a, a bad relationship uh, between he and Andy Reid. But it just, you know, I think that for Sirianni, it's like, hey, you know, the Chiefs let me go. And here I am playing them in the Super Bowl. So there's another storyline from a coaching perspective for the Eagles on the flip side where, you know, yeah, Andy Reid wants to take down the team that let him go. And Nick Sirianni wants to take down the team that let him go. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, there's there's that angle for Nick Sirianni, and he does strike me as somebody. And I think he even said it yesterday somewhere. Somebody was talking about, like, yeah, he'd like to take them down for that reason, and that's fine. Of course he would. Um, you know, that's only natural. Uh, a couple other storylines. Patrick Mahomes, he becomes – what is the number here? He He ties Tom Brady for the only quarterback to reach three Super Bowls in his first six seasons. Now, Tom Brady had more success in those Super Bowls, but Mahomes is right there as far as getting to this point. Mahomes talked about the comparisons there and trying to catch Brady long-term. be tough. I mean, seven Super Bowl victories, ten Super Bowls. Uh, there's a reason that he's so far ahead of everybody else. Um, it's hard to do, um, but I'll do my best to chase it. But uh, i got to start off with trying to win this one this week. So I just got to focus on uh, today and, and then tomorrow and – until we get to Sunday, and, and and let's go out there and play our best ball then. Of course, he's going to answer that question perfectly. But it did make me think about something, Tommy. I don't think there's – Tom, I, I, Pat, nobody's going to catch seven Super Bowl wins. I don't think. Uh, Mahomes would have needed to win another one by this point, I think, or maybe two, to get to the – you know, to this one and another one, whatever. It's too hard to do. There's too much that goes into it. I, I do wonder, though – about reaching the number of Super Bowls. So it's 10. He This will be three through six, which is the pace Brady was at, right? Is there any world? Again, I think it's foolish to say, will he win seven? But do you think he could get to seven, get to 10 over the course of his career? I think so. Uh, I, I really do. Um, as long as there continues to be the organizational structure around him. Um, but, I, you know, again, I think we've learned that you don't have to have uh, a star number one wide receiver in Tyreek Hill for him to make it to a Super Bowl. You don't. Uh, this year is a perfect ex example of that. Um, but I do think, I mean, it, it's not one guy that wins a Super Bowl, right? It's, it's an entire organization. And I think that Tom Brady, while the greatest of all time, and there is no disputing that. And the number of rings that he has, there's no disputing that. Those were good, good organizations, too, that he played for that had other good players on that team. So, you know, if, 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 if it was Patrick Mahomes and nobody, then it'd be a lot more difficult. But I, that's why I'm, I'm so impressed by Brett Veach as the general manager because he has year in and year out consistently been a wizard in putting this team together through draft picks, through free agency, to put the best potential team on the field around Patrick Mahomes. And so, and that's hard to do when you're paying Patrick Mahomes the amount of money you're paying him. That's hard for any executive to do. So as long as that's able to continue, then yeah, I don't have any doubt in my mind that he will at least be able to challenge that record moving forward. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And it, again, underscores just to go 7-3 and three in 10 Super Bowls for Tom Brady is wild. 
it's wild that that I will say I will say though that if Patrick Mahomes wants any chance of challenging Tom Brady's record, he's got to win this one on Sunday. I mean, if you can't drop below 500. He's one and one right now. If he goes to two and one, then all right, like let's keep it going. But one and two, that's going to be pretty tough. Yeah, and 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 again, I don't even want to. I don't even want to comprehend. And he does. He doesn't care about that, right? But no, 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 we no, do. no. I mean, and, we're, and we're trying. It's to, you something know. we'll do. Like we'll right, have that exactly. conversation, right? I, and I, I do think he cares about it, but not now. Right, you gotta like you gotta get two. And I remember when he won his first. Right, the conversation was sort of, how many of these is he gonna win? Right, because he was so young. And I'm like, God, like, let's see if he can get two first, because that's hard enough to do. How many great quarterbacks in the history of this league have one, right, or none? It, It is it is incredibly difficult to do. Let's get to two. And when you get to two, then maybe you can think about, well, maybe you could get three or four of these. And then when you get to that point. It is, it's just, we'll, I don't think we'll ever see anything like what Brady did, relatively speaking, across sports ever again. It's wild. The Kelsey brothers also, uh, of course, taking center stage. We'll talk a little bit about that when we return. We'll have Dan Israel at the top of the hour, and then we'll get into K-State's big game tonight against TCU in the second hour as well. 869-1240, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster coming at you here on Sports Daily. More on the opening media availability for the Chiefs, and some injury news right after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. That's staying true to today. My brother is definitely a, a not not a better. He's definitely a worse loser than, than me for sure. I'll probably take it on. on you know, take a few losses on the chin, whatever. My brother, if he loses, man, you better stay out of that big dog's way, man. He's a, he's a fired up dude. He puts a lot of passion into this thing. The Kelsey brothers become one of the great storylines in Super Bowl history. That's not even hyperbole. It's the truth. Welcome back to Sports Daily, everybody. Jacob Albrocht and Tommy Castor here. Jad Chambers producing for us, uh, getting these great cuts of audio ready. It is, you know, we had the Mannings, Tommy. And honestly, I think the Mannings have become 
bigger ambassadors to the game after their playing days than during it. The Kelsey brothers are unique that they've become such big ambassadors while they're playing the game. And technology has provided them that opportunity that didn't necessarily exist for the Mannings. But through the podcast now, and if you don't believe me, they became the number one sports podcast in the country last week. Uh, They're having fun with their parents who are embracing this fully. They're just so likable. And it seems genuine. I don't think there's no reason to think that it's not. Their story going way back is so good. You know, Andy Reid's ties to both of them is so... Like, it is, as Silver Platter, a perfect Super Bowl storyline that we've ever seen. The Mannings never played each other, obviously. You had the Harbaugh brothers coach against each other, right? And there's been some other opportunities for things like this. But to have two brothers who are both beloved personalities relatively universally across the league to square off like this fully embrace it and have fun with it and help build that hype. I mean, you cannot ask for something better in the world that we live in, Tommy, when we have things to talk about. It's perfect. Yeah, the the Manning brothers, uh, that didn't begin until the Manning cast, until after they were both done. And they became, you know, media moguls and coaching in the Pro Bowl. And, they're you know, they like taking shots at each other, like things like that. Like, that's fun. But we didn't see that as much or really nearly at all when they were playing in the league. Uh, both of them were, were very focused on their teams and, and all of that. And, of course, they never played each other in a Super Bowl. Uh, you mentioned the Harbaugh brothers. That's cool, but they coached against each other. And, uh, you know, Jim is kind of fiery, but John Harbaugh is not quite as much. I didn't. I never really felt like there was, like, a huge storyline there other than just, like, oh, they're brothers, they're coaching against each other. Okay, cool. Um, and then, I don't know, I was trying to think of other ones like the McCourty brothers. Um, you know, didn't they play together for the Patriots uh, during one or two of their Super Bowl runs? But regardless of all of that, I mean, you look at all the different brother combinations. This one's the most fun because, and I think that in the world that we're in today, where people are consuming media in the moment, uh, you know, they're releasing a new podcast every week during the season, talking about things that had happened, you know, in the week before and things they're looking forward to. And they've got guests on and all of that as the season is rolling on. uh, And so it kind of gives you an inside look in what their day to day is like. On top of that, they have such a great banter with one another. They root for each other all the time. Uh, they, they give each other a hard time. It's just, it's good, old-fashioned fun, and I love it. I'm here for it all the way. Yeah, me too. And you had, you know, the Barber brothers never played each other. They Tiki Barber, of course, more than Rondé Barber, has embraced the media and, and being a personality for the league. They just never had the opportunity to, you know, face off in a game like this with all the buildup like this. There have been a lot of brothers that play in the NFL. That part's not uncommon. It's just like this, you know, planetary alignment of this is unique and and really cool, and it's going to stay cool. And again, not everybody either, Tommy, can publicly have fun with it and and still be, you know, so laser-focused on getting the job done. I don't know if Jason Kelsey's a Hall of Famer. Tommy, I, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, he might be. I, I would defer to somebody, right, that evaluates linemen for that. I, I know he's had just an unbelievable career, so he's probably close if he's not. But Travis Kelsey is, and like it, it's just 
it's wild. Yeah. And it's going to hey, be you, something to watch all year. You know what I love about Travis Kelsey so much is that he was very close, I feel like, a couple of years ago of being known as a villain. Like, he had some things that he did kind of on the field where he got in trouble and things like that. And he has very quickly turned it into yeah, just, he just being swaggy. this fan favorite, you know? Right. And I love it. And uh, he's going to be outspoken. He's going to be very verbal. Uh, but, man, he, he, I think he can – I mean, you obviously can back that up with the play on the field. So he's got every right to be that way. Well, yeah, I grabbed the microphone and called the mayor of Cincinnati a jabroni on, yeah, you know, I love on national television, which is fantastic. That's what we love ago, about Kelsey. He would have done that, and people would have been like, oh, my God, can you believe he said that? Now everybody's like, let's go. We love it. I mean, the Cincinnati mayor did order a paternity press to test to, to try and figure out. It. He deserved it. He, he deserved it. 869-1240. More on the Chiefs. Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. What perfect timing to have him in for a weekly visit. We'll get his thoughts on it. I don't want his take on trying to evaluate this game because I think everybody else is kind of having a hard time with it. We'll do that next on Sports Daily. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.